iTunes Celebrity Podcast. Hi, my name is Seal, and I'm sitting here with David Foster, and we are doing the iTunes Celebrity Playlist Podcast. Hi, this is David Foster, and thanks, Seal. Um, this is going to be fun because you and I have. Uh, Absolutely the most terrible taste in music. Well, no, we have, I think, great taste in music, but just different taste in music. So why don't you go first, number one? My first choice is uh, a song from my favorite album of all time, uh, which is Inner Visions by Stevie Wonder. And the track I'm going to play now is Living for the City, which is, uh, I just think, one of the most incredible songs ever written. Some days for 14 hours, and you can bet he barely makes a dollar. His mother goes to scrub the floors for many And you best believe she hardly gets a pity Living just enough, just enough for the city yeah. Oh, you trumped me already. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't, of course. <laughs> um, well... In doing this exercise and, and, and thinking about songs that have influenced me, um, obviously Stevie Wonder is a, is a big influence, but I think back to my pop days, um, James Taylor was one of my first early influences. Uh, and when I heard Sweet Baby James, it just like, I couldn't believe that that voice, that guitar, just the combination of the voice and the guitar and the story was just, it just uh, moved me in a very profound way. So uh, here's James Taylor, Sweet Baby James. Moonlight ladies rock of our sweet baby Jane. Deep greens and blues are the colors I choose. Won't you let me go down in my dreams and rock of our sweet baby James? Now the first of December was covered with snow. So was the turnpike from Stockbridge to Boston. Okay, the next song up is a song uh, from one of my favorite artists, uh, perhaps one of the most influential artists, not only on, on my musical career, but on, on, on the uh, lives and careers of many others, uh, and your fellow countrywoman, Joni Mitchell. Mm. And the song I'm going to pick is Amelia because uh, I just think it's such a, a beautiful song. I mean, she has an amazing ability to, to tell a story and to, to turn a phrase unlike anyone else I've ever, I've ever heard. And so uh, this is Amelia by Joni Mitchell. I was driving across the burning desert When I spotted six jet planes Leading six white vapor trails Across the bleak terrain it was the hexagram of the heavens It was the strings of my guitar Amelia, it was just a false alarm It's great that you picked Joni Mitchell because... Uh, um, you didn't. No, I didn't, right? <laughs> Although I easily could have. Um, because you know being canadian we're just obviously she is our national treasure i mean she is the she was that voice for those two decades that uh, that turned the world on and we're just really proud that she's she's one of us she's from saskatchewan which is she's awesome kind of incredible and just an amazing songwriter i actually produced her once at one song and i had the uh, balls to tell her she sang out of tune oh dear and, and she just said you know, and that's kind of my sound. <laughs> I thought it was great. But like she, the, she, I mean, that sounds exactly what she yeah, would Yeah, it was the perfect answer. And I mean, what could I say to that except, wow, I'll just leave that one alone. You're fine. Gosh, what a beautiful singer. Yeah, I, I got the opportunity to work with her once. I think it was perhaps the highlight of my career. She asked me to sing on a track that she was uh, producing with Larry mm -hmm. at the time called uh, an old James Brown track, actually, called How Do You Stop? Oh. How do you stop before it's too late? You know, so no. anyway, so of course, I, I, I can't remember being more, more nervous in my entire life. I mean, I remember uh, singing in her vocal booth in her house um, over in uh, Bel Air at the time. And it just 
occurred to me at one point, my God, here's a woman who's influenced me and who has inspired me for years and years. And now I'm standing in in, in her in a vocal booth in her house uh, singing on her album. Mm. So, of course, I, I, I asked her to return the favor and she sang on, uh, I think it was my second album called, uh, on a song called, uh, well, I can't remember what it was now, but... Um, but she she came and sang on my album, so that was a, that was pretty cool nice. too. She definitely walks to her own beat for sure, right? She's amazing. Well, from Joni, I'm gonna go to uh, when I think about the concerts that I went to, the greatest concert that I ever went to, period, bar none, except maybe for a Seal concert, <laughs> <laughs> um, was in the '70s. I went to see Yes perform in 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 uh, in Florida. And it was just a profound experience for me. I just like, I couldn't believe the musicianship. I couldn't believe what I was seeing and hearing. I guess they were using, they were using tricks that we still, we use today, 40 years later. I mean, they, they just had figured it out. They have a song called Roundabout. It starts with the bass. I just couldn't believe a bass could even do that. And um, so that's my pick. Here's Yes with uh, Roundabout. Check out the bass line. You, What album was that from? It was on the Fragile album, I believe. See, the the album I, I got into, uh, the, the Yes album that I got got into was 90125 for obvious reasons. That was later, because though, right? a, a lot later, but yeah. Uh, yeah and, and actually, but I didn't put any Yes tracks down. Oh, because the, the Owner of a Lonely Heart, was that what you Yeah, mean? exactly. Yeah. But that was kind of, that was great, but it was not really who they were, I didn't think. That was more like who Mutt, who Mutt Lang was, you know, the producer. Trevor. I, I'm, tra I'm sorry, Trevor Horn, right. yeah. Right. Same thing. <laughs> no, you didn't say that. I didn't say oh, that. No. You, you no, Trevor Horn, Mutt David, Lang, two of the greatest. David, you gotta, you gotta turn. Snip. <laughs> Trevor Horn and uh, Mutt Lang, two of the greatest producers ever. He's not listening. <laughs> right. No. Okay. Well, well from uh, from Trevor Horn slash Mutt Lang and uh, and yes to. Um, I'm gonna go slightly. I'm gonna go slightly uh, a little more uh, uh, classic here. Um, How insensitive, which is a Jobim song, but performed by Sinatra. Um, I love Brazilian music. It's perhaps my favorite uh, genre of music. And what greater voice is there than Sinatra? Um, I I think Sinatra and Marvin Gaye are perhaps my two most favorite uh, vocalists, male vocalists of all time. Um, and I really love this song. It, it, it isn't one of Sinatra's um, more popular songs, however, but the, the, just the chord progression and, and the, uh, the sadness in it is, is something, the melancholy in it is something that I really, really, really enjoy. Oh, insensitive I must have seemed When she told me that she loved me If you had to put uh, in a time capsule that somebody would open a thousand years from now, one male and one female that would depict the latter half of the 20th century, that is 1950 to the year 2000, it's a very difficult task. But if you could only pick one man and one woman to show people a thousand years from now. I know you're going to make the right choice here. Sorry? I know you're going to make the well, right choice Well, it's not a test, but uh, I, I mean, my choice will be different well, than yours. No, I, I know you're going to say the right male, for sure. I am? Seal? No. <laughs> Seal and Heidi. Seal and Heidi, exactly. Um, well, I, I'll ask you first. I mean, I know what mine is. One male. One male, one female. That, that a thousand years from now, they go, oh, that's what 1950 to 2000 was like musically. It's hard. One male. 
a, a, vo- a vocalist or, vocalist. or just an artist? Vocalist. Singer. Well, a singer, but does it, are you talking about the voice or just basically the, the sheer impact that that person had? The impact. Wow, that's... Uh, well, that defined that, the, the half of a century. Then I would have to say Elvis. Yeah. And, uh, and a woman, Aretha Franklin. Right. I think those are great choices, and there is no right answer. I sort of always thought it was Sinatra and Streisand, but they, I think it's probably all four of those do it. Do it the best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could, you could. I mean, see, cause you, you got me there because, you know, Elvis being the biggest artist on the planet, right? Um, but then Sinatra, perhaps being the greatest, if well, certainly one of, but if not the greatest male vocalist of all time. I think. Probably Elvis would probably define 1950 to 2000 better musically than Sinatra, right? Just for for the sheer impacts that he had. But in terms, you know, from a musician's perspective, I be right there with you Sinatra it'd have to be Sinatra yeah it's funny when I ask people this question I get the strangest answers just like you never get the same two some people say Marvin Gaye and Gladys Knight I mean people's brain or Elton John and or or uh, you know there's there's no one answer I guess if you did it by decade you could definitely narrow it down Madonna would be a decade Elton would be a decade Lennon and McCartney would be a decade I think yeah so so what's your choice well, I'm, mine, I'm still sticking with Sinatra and Streisand, even though it's not absolutely right. I know for the first half of the century, for sure what I'd do, for sure, I would do Judy Garland and Louis Armstrong. Really? Without a shadow of a doubt. Nobody comes closer than those two to defining the first half of the century. Well, here's one that I think Seal would, uh, would definitely agree with me on. Uh, in 1970. Three, when I first moved to Los Angeles, I had my Volkswagen van and I had an eight-track player. I played this eight-track for an entire summer every single day. It's what's going on, Marvin Gaye. And picket signs Don't punish me With brutality Talk to me So you can see Uh, you'd be hard pushed to, to not include anything by Marvin Gaye and our celebrity players. You know, you listen to kind of modern day R and B singers, and and yeah, and some of them really great. But what they tend to do is 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 what I refer to as vocal gymnastics. I mean, there's a lot of I mean, and it you know I, I guess it appeals to some, but when you you know, it's it's almost like they use those gymnastics to get their point across. But when you listen to Marvin, Marvin could just sing one note and his whole DNA would be in that one note. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he didn't have to kind of do all these, you know, the, the kind of acrobatics or the gymnastics with his voice. I, I often refer to Marvin as the tone king. I mean, his tone yeah. was just so beautiful. And not to mention that, in, in my choice, what's going on, that, that as the years go by, his lyrics become even more profound. Yeah. Right? I mean, you're forgetting about the message in that song. It's incredible. Yeah, the message is, is, is amazing. And the only reason I didn't pick that is because I knew you picked it, because I, pick, I picked a, another Marvin song well, go ahead. later on. Uh, oh, later on. Later on. But, uh, oh, well, actually, I may as well do that now. So my Marvin song is uh, Save the Children from the same album. Every time I hear that song, um, it just—I I, mean—I just well up, you know, because I not only can I hear somebody just singing out of their minds, but um, you can tell. I mean, I, I always use the, the, the expression that it sounds like he's bleeding on that track. Like he, Great it's, description. He's—it's he's, yeah. so painful, you know, and it's so heartfelt. And you know, he is—he is perhaps my 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 favorite singer of all time. I mean, when I was. Um, when I was kind of getting my chops together and trying to find my identity as a vocalist, he was the one, even though I, I, I really loved Stevie Wonder from a musician's point of view, but but uh, from a vocalist point of view, the person I aspired to was Marvin Gaye because he just, he it, again, he didn't have to sing that much. He didn't have to do all the vocal gymnastics. His tone was just so beautiful. And that's always been the thing that I look for most in a voice and not, not really uh, how many notes, you know, 
someone can hit or or the agility or any of that stuff. I mean, it's it's all great, and you know, especially when you look at someone like you know Mariah Carey, it's incredible. You know, she has five octaves or whatever it is. It's amazing, yes. But in terms of the thing that the the the, the, the narrative, the thing that carries the narrative, the thing that gets right to the very core of who you are, it's the tone. It's 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 the tone in someone's voice, and you know, I I often say that. Um, one of my favorite vocalists is is Bob Dylan, and people look at me like I'm crazy because he had that man of voice, you know, like that. Uh, not exactly like that, but Worse. but but again, <laughs> it was it was his ability to just to 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 carry the narrative, to 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 get to get the song to you, and that's really um, what I care about in terms of uh, when I listen to a vocalist in music is their ability to sell you the song, to convince you, to make you believe. And he was amazing at, at, at that. You listen to something like Positively Fourth Street, you're right there with him. You can see it. You can see the guy that really pissed him off, mm. and you can see, you can, you can, you can hear the kind of vitriolic uh, nature in his voice and what he was feeling at the time. Um, and that's why I love Dylan. I think. As a, as a comparison to the, m- the musical side of that, you're talking about the the vocal delivery, but musically, I think I learned that lesson too with the uh, Quincy Jones who. Um, I went to play him a song that I wanted uh, James Ingram to record one of my songs and I sat down to the piano and got all flashy like I was ripping up and down the piano and playing the song and Quincy said stop stop and he grabbed my left hand he said now put this behind your back and then he grabbed my fingers and he rolled them all up and left me one finger and he said now play me the song with one finger and I did and it was a, it, the song was good enough that it held up with one finger just playing the melody because it was a good melody but he didn't want to hear all that flash. He just wanted to hear the essence of the song, which is what you're talking about with with the vocalists. Yeah. Come a time when the world won't be singing. When the world won't be singing. Flowers won't grow. Flowers won't grow. No. Bells won't be ringing. No bells won't be ringing. Who really cares? Who really cares? Who's willing to try? Who is willing to try to save a world? To save a world that's destined to that die. is destined. Anyway, my uh, so my Marvin song was uh, "Save the Children." I guess it's your turn now. It is. Um, okay, you're not even going to know this song. All and right. you're going to think, this is not possible that he could love this song. <clears throat> My next one, you probably think the same thing. <clears throat> Maybe it's the same song. No. Um, the very, very first song I heard on the radio when I was about eight or nine, and uh, my sister worked at a coffee shop my older sister and they had a jukebox there and she actually brought they, they would throw out the old records put in new ones the 45s she brought it home it was the first 45 that I owned and played to death and there was just something about it it's by the Fenderman it's called Mule Skinner Blues good morning captain well good morning to you you meet another Mule Skinner down on your new mud run Bring the buck, buck, buck here. Yeah, it was like a, I don't know, it's like a, but <laughs> I mean, right, it just, David, uh, no, it just, uh, <laughs> it was just, it just, uh, you know, it got me interested it in resonated. pop music. It resonated. Nothing more. Yeah. Well, I have a similar kind of left field one, although I mean quite current, but but similarly uh, left field. Uh, Kanye, flashing lights. For whatever reason it is, I just I just really love that song. I love the melody. He's a really interesting artist, Kanye West, because he's I, you know he's one of those artists who's who, who's come out from that hip hop kind of rap genre, but is constantly pushing the envelope in a way that. Hip hop artists used to do around the time of kind of Death Row, uh, Dre, Tupac. Um, Tupac. It was a really great um, ESPN movie the other night on on Tupac and uh, Biggie. No, no, Mike Tyson because they were friends. Ah. 
right? And mm. and the, the the parallels between them, the similarities mm. between them, is really interesting. Mm. In any case, um, I'm back to Kanye. Um, he he's one of those guys that tends to wear his heart on his sleeve. And uh, that 808s and Heartbreaks album that he did, I just thought was really fantastic. And this track came out around the same time. I don't know if you saw the video to it. Do you remember the video where, he, where there was this kind of hooker that drove out into the desert, or, or she looked like a hooker, and took off her coat and was walking around in her brown panties and then takes a, a is it an axe? A shovel. And she opens a trunk of yeah. the car and there's Kanye tied up in, in, yeah. in the back and she just starts hacking the... The, yeah. the bejesus out of him but um yeah i mean it's just it's just an indication of where his head's at and i and i love this like flashing lights you know it's a i mean it's a it's it's a great pop track and and uh mm. and he's he tends to be quite musical which reminds me he just did uh something on uh um i believe which i'll play you oh interesting yeah really interesting Interesting. I can't wait to hear it. And and I was going to mention about Kanye that uh, I liked him because uh, he took one of my songs called Through the Fire and uh, re retitled it Through the Wire and had a number one hit with it. And I thought that was kind of cool that one of my songs would be a Kanye West song. Really? Yeah. Did you ever hear Through the Wire? It was when he was all wired up with his... Uh, we had an accident where his teeth all got knocked out and he wrote a song called Through the Wire over my song Through the Fire by Shaka Khan. And uh, it was a number one hit. Anyway. Awesome. Ex-wife number three gets that money. But I never thought that you would take it this far. What do I know? Flash. Lights. Lights. What do I know? Flash. Lights. I know it's been a while, sweetheart. We hardly talk. I was doing my thing. I know what was fair, baby, hey, baby, late, late, you've been all on my brain. And if somebody would have told me a month ago, front and oh, yo, I wouldn't want to know. If somebody would have told me a year ago, it'd go get this difficult. Couldn't like Katrina with no FEMA. Like okay, uh, am I up? You are. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this. Earth, Wind, and Fire. To me, every single artist today that's anywhere near the genre of Earth, Wind & Fire owes a debt to Maurice White for what his contribution was to music. He melded jazz, R&B, and pop better than anybody on the planet in the 70s, I believe, right? Agreed. Agreed. Better than anyone, period. Not period. just the 70s. Yes, okay. Period. Right. Yeah, I mean, period. everybody owes him a debt, including me. He was my mentor. And long before I worked with them and met them, they had a song uh, on the Gratitude album called Can't Hide Love, which Maurice actually plays drums on. And it starts out with this... We play that song every time we're a bunch of musicians are together and, and I've stolen that lick so many times in actually in Through the Fire. I stole that lick. Yeah, incredible. Oh, I love so, that track. Hats off to Earth, Wind and Fire, all the guys, Verdine, Larry, and uh, and Freddie on drums and Ralph. Uh, an amazing group, and that's an amazing track. You can't pretend there's nothing there. Girl, I look in your eyes, see you care. So why not stop trying to run and hide? You won't find out if you never try. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to go across the pond, actually, for a few of the, uh, my next three or four tracks. Uh, I'm going to start with um, a band that I think, certainly through the 80s, uh, early part of the 80s, and right through to the uh, mid-90s, were just hugely influential in, a, in the British, uh, in the Britpop scene, and also in, in, in my life, um, The Pretenders. And, and they, this next song is... I mean, I always love when it comes on the radio or whenever I hear it, it because um, to me, it should be on page one of the book of how to write a pop song. Every single element in that song, every every instrument, everything that is played is a hook, much in the same way that Sly Stone used to, used to do that with a, a song like Everyday People. Mm -hmm. 
you listen to everyday people, everything's a hook. Everything, you can sing the bass line, you can sing every hook he writes. But this song by The Pretenders is very similar to that in that uh, it's masterful. And the next time you hear it, I'm, uh, you, you, I'm, if you, yeah, I'm sure you'll understand what I'm saying, uh, Brass in Pocket. What a fantastic yeah, pop song. Good call. God, if I could write a pop song like that, ooh. I believe you have, but that's another story. Oh, thank you. Um, and, and actually, Chrissy has a new band. She uh, does? With a guy. Uh, with a guy, and, and I can't remember the name of it. I just saw them on TV the other day, and she, she was playing, and she sounded good. He sounded good, and it was... Yeah, she does sound good. I saw her in, uh, in Aspen a couple of years ago, live at the, uh, the Belly Up, that, you know, uh, Goldstein's place. Yeah. And she was amazing. Good choice. I think that... Um, I think I didn't put this on my list, but I think Cindy Lauper's uh, similar. Song, sorry, uh, Two Colors. I think that's a perfect what a record. great song. For, for me. That's a perfect record. It is. I don't know if it's a perfect song, but it's a perfect record. It, it is so a perfect record. Thing, right? It's a perfect record. Yeah, yeah. I love, and yeah. it's a great song. Great song. Yeah. Um, okay, 1968. I'm living in Edmonton, um, and uh, trying to find my way as a musician. And I go to a radio station to sing on a jingle because that's how I made my money. Uh, the guy hands me a, an album of Elton John. And it, it, it put me away, and it, it just, I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And the track that I'm gonna pick uh, is a track called 60 Years On, because it was the incredible combination, like I talked about Earth, Wind and Fire combining all those uh, elements, no pun intended, uh, of music. 60 Years On combines classical music and pop music in a way that I I had never heard it before. When you listen to the orchestra uh, uh, and uh, the the uh, arranger, and just his name is just escaping me right now. It's, it's incredible. Uh, you just have to hear this record to see what I'm talking about. It's it's haunting, and it's classical, and it's orchestral, and it's pop, and it's Elton singing his ass off. It's just you amazing. Hung up your great coat and you laid down your gun. You know the war you fought in wasn't too much fun And the future you're giving me holds nothing for the gun I've no wish to be living 60 years Wow, well, it's funny you should pick that song, um, although I'm not that familiar with it, but the way you were describing it, it, it kind of makes me think that this song that I'm about to, to, to talk about is similar in that respect. Uh, the Stranglers, Golden Brown. Uh, you don't like that song? No, I don't know it. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> I mean, sing it. Golden Brown. Yeah, I wouldn't have put that oh, on my Golden list. Golden Brown. Well, you, you, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> I'm Canadian. That's right. There's 32 flavors or whatever. 31 flavors. 31 flavors. 31 flavors. Yeah. Um, yeah, Golden Brown. It starts with a harpsichord and kind of and uh, has a perfect marriage of, uh, of uh, classical ah. and, um, and pomp. And in actual fact, uh, that was, uh, it, uh, when I think about it now, it was probably quite influential on, on, uh, on a song I wrote called Kiss, a Kiss from a Rose. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I picked it because I love the Stranglers. I think that I think they're a hugely underrated band, and Golden Brown is a fantastic song. Golden Brown, texture like sun, lays me down with my mind. She runs throughout the night. No need to fight, never a frown with Golden Brown. Every time, just like the last, on her ship, tied to the mast, two distant lands, takes both my hands, never a frown with golden brown. 
Did you, um, uh, when you were growing up, did you listen to any classical music? Were you, were you drawn to classical music? Mm, not really. I mean, other than the standards, like, you know, Vivaldi and, 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 and the Four Seasons. and The, the wedding really, music. The, yeah, the really mm -hmm. commercial stuff. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. No. But now you, you... More so now, yeah. Because, you know... The, Do you think it's an age thing? Uh, well, not for me, it wasn't. But for the most people, yeah, I would, I would think you were busy with so many other influences. It just wasn't your world. But when you think about it, there's only twelve notes, and every sequence that you've ever heard was done three three hundred years ago. I mean, every single chord pattern, every single chord, they they did it all. It's it's amazing what you can draw from. You know, if you just go back and examine. You know, I've stolen from them many, many times. They're dead. I mean, they're not going <laughs> to argue. Uh, all right, so I guess I'm up. I feel like I shouldn't have this on my list now. So that's something good to talk about, right? Just I just loved it. James Brown, I feel good. I mean, I used to play it in clubs. I love the the fact that James Brown's band was so tight. Seal and I have talked about James many times because James was a big influence on everybody, but on Seal. And maybe you could elaborate on that. But that that's my pick. But I don't know why, except I played it a lot. I loved it. I love the feeling of dun, 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 dun. And just playing that as a piano player just made me feel good. No pun intended. Well, I mean, I, I completely understand. And, and uh, of course, when we did the soul album together and, and I walked up to the mic to sing a, It's a Man's 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 World, Oof. I mean, I, 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 suddenly, I suddenly thought to myself, wow, okay, this is a huge undertaking. Um, of course, everyone knows this song. And when they think of this song, there's, there's only one person they think of, and it's not me. You know, so... Uh, so um, it was quite a challenge, but you know, obviously, with the, with the help of uh, uh, of David and uh, his his guidance, we were I was able to kind of not mess it up. Sugar and spine. I feel nice. I sugar and spine. So nice. The thing I loved about James, and I think it's the thing that you're, you're perhaps uh, talking about, is that I'd never really heard anyone sing like that before. Right. That's the thing, and it's really interesting because there was a definite paradigm shift with James Brown. I have some. I have some really early James Brown stuff. I bought this box set once, and I was really shocked to to kind of hear how he used to sing. Um, it was he would sing, you know, these kind of fifties ballads in a very like more very straightforward, um, like a crooning, uh, kind, like kind, of, like a crooning kind of way, yeah. which I'd never heard him sing before. And then suddenly something happened, and then he got really percussive, really percussive. In fact, it, it was almost like if if you know if. If a if a if a set of drums or if a drummer could be a lead vocalist without singing but just through the drums, that's how James sang. Hmm. It was really percussive, you know. And he kind of make he was the first one to kind of, you know, to make all those noises, those percussive noises that kind of sound like words but are not really no, not really words. I mean, my, and Michael Jackson took so much from James Brown. Mm -hmm. You remember that? Oh, shamo, shamo. That's, that's all James Brown. When he needed a new lyric, he'd just go, ow, ah, ah. Oh, that's it. Hey. Yeah, that, ah, that's it. Sometimes. <laughs> I get the feeling. <laughs> I mean, what is that? I mean, to have, to have the balls. It's to, it's, uh, well, just to have the visceral. balls to do that. And, and, he, and he didn't care because he got the point. You understood it. Mm -hmm. You didn't understand. You didn't understand yeah. what he was talking about. Uh, I've got a brand new back, <laughs> and then that was it. You know, and everything was in a monk. I mean, it's like what? He, what is he saying? But it doesn't really matter because it's so percussive. Yeah. I mean, you could take you could take his voice and exchange it for a guitar, mm -hmm. a rhythm guitar, mm -hmm. or or uh, you know some brass stamps. Or, or indeed a, a drummer, and I think that's he just kind of redefined what people, you know, people's approach to singing. I think it, nobody sung like James Brown before that. In actual fact, I remember reading something that, you know, when he first came out, and people, people were saying that it was the devil's music. That it was, you know, I mean, true kind of like gospel, um, uh, R and B, you know, in the traditional sense 
radicals, purists, were saying that, that I mean, they despised what, what, what James was doing to begin with, but then he was so dynamic that uh, it was undeniable. But yeah, unfortunately, I didn't put a James Brown track in, so I'm, I'm glad you did. Okay, so I'm up next. Um, I'm still still across the pond, uh, obviously, because that's where, uh, where I was born, and so um, a lot of my choices are going to come from there. But uh, Life's What You Make It from Talk Talk, um, hugely underrated band. Uh, and that was such... A, I, I remember hearing that for the first time and just not really understanding what it was, thinking that I'd never heard anything like it before. Um, is it Hollins? What's his name? Uh, uh, Rick Hollins? Mark, Mark Hollis. What an artist. Really influential on a lot of uh, uh, um, modern artists, uh, you know, people like myself that, that, that came after him. Um, but uh, not a lot of people, uh, you know, I, I don't read a, uh, a lot of people citing him as an influence, but I, I know that he influenced quite a lot of people. And Lies What You Make, it was just such a, a beautiful ethereal track. And I think that's that that's where I kind of drew a lot of my early inspiration from. Um, I was always attracted by somebody who would who managed to to kind of marry an ethereal sound with um, with pop music and and with a hard driving groove where the bass line and the groove didn't really change that much. You know that track, right? No. It had that uh, bass line. It went down, 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 down. Oh yeah. Down, 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 down. I mean, beautiful. And then then he would just have these ethereal chords and and this melody that just basically floated over the top of it. And I was always really attracted to that because it, it adds a certain kind of hypnotic quality, which is one of one of the one of the things I always try and introduce in in my music. So, "Lies What You Make It" by Talk Talk. I mean, I could yeah. I could have put four or five by Talk Talk. I think that um, people maybe don't realize this, but uh, having just uh, worked with Seal over the last couple of years, and most recently on his new album, uh, Commitment, Seal 6, which is coming out soon, little plug, but it's worth it. It's an incredible album. Um, But people probably don't realize that uh, when we're sitting around making the record, uh, any record, you do get influenced by other people and you want to hear other music. And, And we spent many, many nights playing Donna Summer records, Prince records, um, Alanis Morissette record in it. Uh, Damn it! You didn't. I knew I you didn't, were. I, I knew you were going to forget to put Prince in there. And you know, I thought about it, but the, I was going to put Son of the Times, and and then, but but I didn't do it. You loved it, but yeah. it didn't influence you. Not really. Right. I mean, he influenced me. Yeah. But in but, general, but you couldn't in pick general, one. But I couldn't pick one right. song the way I went. Wow. I mean, be, speaking as someone who, uh, you know, the mo- the two most important things in music for me are the song and the voice. Um, but as an artist, hugely influential. But 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 as as a songwriter, perhaps not. As a record maker, more than a songwriter, maybe. Huh? Yeah, his records. Yeah, right. yes, his Pretty records incredible. are amazing. Uh, anyway, um, I will move on to uh, uh, 1967. Sitting in England, sitting in a little apartment, living by myself. No work, no job. Nobody wants to hear me. I'm classically trained. I'm not part of the movement. Everybody thinks I suck. Can't get work. Eating one wimpy burger a day at four o'clock. Lonely. No friends. On the radio comes Good Vibrations, the Beach Boys. Yeah, Again, I mean... There you go. Yeah. Never heard anything like it. Never heard anything like that in my life. Never heard anything since. No. And to Seal's point, and, and he makes he made the point first was, I'd never heard anything like that before. And that's what happened with, with, with these records that make you pull over on the side of the road. He was talking about Atlantis earlier, and he wanted to pull over on the side of the road. When I heard Chuck Mangione, uh, Land of Make Believe with Esther Satterfield, first time I had to pull over to make sure I caught the name at the end of it. And such was uh, with Good Vibrations. Never heard anything like it before or since. Beach Boys. I, and I second that. I mean, I didn't pick anything by the Beach Boys, but I, I actually saw your list and I knew that you'd pick them. Yeah. 
a fantastic track. I mean, yeah. it's timeless. Yeah. Timeless. You, you, you'd put it out now, and an artist came out with that now, you'd go straight to number one. Maybe we should. Soul 2. <laughs> <laughs> Featuring the Beast Boys. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, in a similar fashion, not, uh, I don't know if it's as musical, I don't think it's as musical, but in terms of the impact and in terms of uh, the, 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 the artists as a whole, um, in terms of the influence that it, that, that it had on not just me, but like a whole kind of subculture after that in England, I remember, God, it must have been, uh, it must have been early 80s, sitting at home with my parents um, watching the Today Show with Bill, I think it was Bill Grundy, who was standing in for Eamon Andrews, who used to do the Today Show. Now, bearing in mind this is a family show, six o'clock, right? On walks this, uh, this, this band who look, I mean, as dirty as you can imagine, Right. I'm trying to imagine who this is. Like as dirty as you can imagine. And then there's, there's this weird red-headed guy kind of sitting to one side, egging them all on. And they'd already built up a bit of a reputation. They'd already, already built up a bit of a reputation for kind of, you know, for their shock value. And, um, and so Bill Grundy was like, yeah, okay, so you call yourself the Sex Pistols. Do you? And they, they were like, yeah, that's right. We called ourselves the <laughs> Sex Pistols because we like sex. And they go, and so Bill, Bill Grundy's like, oh, yeah, well, why don't you say, oh, you, you think pretty much, I mean, you're, you, you think you're pretty tough, you think you're pretty bad, don't you? Say, so, no, we don't, but you obviously do, don't you? And he said, well, why don't you say, oh, that's pretty shocking, isn't it? He goes, no, it ain't. Oh, well, why don't you say something really shocking? And they went, like, oh, you. They were shocked. The, the whole nation was in disbelief. Mm-hmm. Utter disbelief, like literally, you could—I mean, not literally, but you could—you could almost like you could hear cars screeching outside, coming to coming to a halt. It 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 made the front page of every single tabloid the next day. It was talked about for weeks and weeks. How brilliant, huh? Such as the genius of Malcolm McLaren and uh, John Lydon, Johnny Rotten. Uh, that was the Sex Pistols, and the influence that they had on British music is perhaps. Historical. Perhaps it was certainly historical, but perhaps the biggest influence. Every indie band after that, everything that came after that, uh, God Save the Queen, that first album, and the track I picked because of the impact that it had um, on. Uh, I mean, not necessarily musically for me, but in terms of culturally, cu- yeah, culturally and socially. Like, yeah. wow, okay, you can push it. You you can you, you can. If you're fearless, you can you can make things happen. Um, and the track I picked was a uh, pretty vacant, which has got so much irony in that. Uh, you know, we're so pretty, I'm so pretty now, vacant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were just having a laugh the whole time. And um, well, by the way, and the they, Queen's and, still alive, so they did save her. <laughs> well, yeah, she did. God <laughs> save the Queen. And then, of course, you know, um, and, uh, then of course, the, the bass player before he died, Vicious, did that uh, cover of My Way, didn't he? That Sinatra literally tried to have banned. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, wonder how Paul Anka felt about that. He's the writer on the song. Because Sinatra couldn't have had a band. He didn't write it. Well, he just thought it was so disrespectful. Mm. But that was the point. Yeah. You know. Mm. And I did it. I did it, my <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Lord. Well, I'm going across the pond, too, now. Okay. Are you ready? 60s again. 
Uh, my 60s is your 80s. I mean, that's our age difference. It's okay. Uh, again, the classical influence. Uh, Procol Harum, Whiter Shade of Pale. Ugh. I mean, so moving, so classical, so pop. Gary Booker, only real great thing they did. Although they did, strangely enough, do an album with the Edmonton Symphony, uh, which was a huge hit too afterwards. But that song, uh, just loved it. They ripped off Bach and uh, made it work. Yeah, okay, well, uh, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, go I'm going back over the pond. Um, I'm going to, back to your, uh, your, your countrywoman, back to, back to Canada, back to Saskatchewan, and one of the most beautiful songs ever written, period. Both Sides Now? Both Sides Now. I knew it. I knew you'd pick that, and I haven't cheated and looked at your list. Mm. I mean, how can you yeah. deny that lyric? Well, it's, I've looked at Love from Both Sides Now. I mean, it's just, it's, it's heart-wrenching, you know. And life for both sides now. I, like I looked at love, love, yeah. Well, both. Right, I mean, right. yeah, I mean it, it, it's heart-wrenching and how, you know, again, that, that's the thing about, you know, that's the thing about Joni is, is that she just has this, this, this ability to turn, well, to turn a phrase on like anyone else, perhaps, uh, other than Dylan, perhaps. Um, but she, you know, she's quite wordy, Joni. She'll, she'll be going on about a bunch of stuff which is all really nice sounding, um, but you don't really, you know, it's, it's all quite personal and you don't really know what she's, unless you're paying close attention, you don't really know what she's talking about. But because of her ability to just turn this phrase, turn this phrase, turn this phrase, turn this phrase, it's just so beautiful and so smooth. Again, the only other person I could think of that could do it, do that was, was Dylan, who could be so wordy, but not kind of, but still emotional. You know, it could still get to you. And Joni could do that. She would just go on and go on and you just enjoy the music and you could kind of get lost in it because it was all very kind of, it was all very syncopated, you know. She treated her voice like an instrument. But then there'd be one line in a Joni song which would just floor you. Tears would come to your eyes, like I've looked at life from both sides now. Or, you know, um, you know, uh, in a song like A Strange Boy, she, go she goes... Um, um, we got high on travel, we got drunk on alcohol, and on love, the strongest poison and medicine of all. I mean, just beautiful. And she is perhaps my favorite lyricist of all time because she could do that, because she could write in a, in, in a way where you just, you know, you, you, you didn't have to pay attention, but you still got the song. And then there'd be a line, a sentiment, which would just make the whole thing make sense. And it would be so relative to you. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's, I mean, no one could do that. Like and then Johnny. she got worldly too, like Marvin did, like with Pay of Paradise and put up a parking lot. You know yeah. I mean, like the, the connotation of that is so huge. And it's, right? and it's beautiful because, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's genius when she does that because, like, if you're not paying attention, it's just a pop song. Yeah. Right. If you're not, and, and I think, you know, those are my favorite kind of artists that, that, that have the ability to do that, that don't ram it down your throat. Um, that you know they 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 get their point across and and their artistry and what they feel as a not just as a musician or an artist but what they feel as a human being socially, they get their comment across, um, but they don't ram it down your throat. And then if you're if you if you want if you're looking for it, it's there. And when you do discover it, it will literally just stop you in your tracks. And and uh, yeah, nice there one. there is there there has never been well, there's there's no one like like Joni, and I doubt very much whether there ever will be. So many things I would have done But clouds got in my way I've looked at clouds From both sides now From up and down And still somehow It's cloud illusions I recall I really don't know clouds I 
Well, for my final song, uh, you know, if I was a different kind of human being, if you there could be lots of people here that, and, and I'm not just saying this because you're here, that would could have picked easily his song, Seal song, Crazy, because that influenced an entire generation and it influenced a ton of record makers and artists after that point. It wasn't exactly where my head was at in the early 90s, so I can't pick it, but others would. Um, so I'm going to pick, I'm going way back. This you're going to find shocking, although you've seen my list, so I guess... I, I, but I, 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 I can't you don't remember. remember. No. Um, I truly love Jimi Hendrix. I saw him play live. Oh, why did I pick it? <laughs> I, I, I can't believe I left Hendrix. Well, one of the biggest influences. And then in I couldn't life. even figure out, because I love every song, but then I thought Purple Haze probably... Ah, just you know, Noel Redding. I know Mitch what you're. I know, I know what you're gonna pick. No, I picked. I picked the song. Oh, you picked Purple, Purple Haze. Haze. Yeah, yeah. And did? I was thinking about Watchtower, but it's not really my favorite song. And it's Why, not his. You, and it's not his. Oh, what were you gonna think? What were you thinking? Because that's Dylan's, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What were you thinking? I, I thought pick? you were gonna pick Wind Cries Mary. No, no. I like it. I love the guitar playing, but Purple Haze is just so angry and so animal. I mean, just excuse guitar me while playing. I kiss this guy. Yeah, and I always thought, excuse me while I kiss this guy. <laughs> I always thought it was that. Excuse me well, while I, I kiss, kiss this, this guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and Hendrix, you probably did. But <laughs> Thanks to iTunes uh, and Seal and myself, David Foster, for uh, allowing us to uh, take a trip down memory lane. It was a lot of fun for us. I hope the audience enjoyed it. Um, that's it from iTunes Celebrity Playlist Podcast, and I'll throw it over to you, Seal. And uh, yeah, I, I second that, David. Thank you for thank you for giving us the opportunity to take that trip. iTunes Celebrity Podcast.